Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome to episode 95 of the Level Up Latina podcast. Today we have Ana Lopez as our guest. Ana is a certified sex coach, currently working on her master's in social work and master's in education with a focus in human sexualities. A future doctora de sexo. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. Ana's, <laughs> Ana's mission is Oh my to God, get, I am not muted. I am so sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was like, okay, hype it up. Ana's mission is to get the Latina community to talk about sex comfortably, just like they do with their chismes. So we're excited to have you, Ana, to talk about being comfortable with our sexuality. So welcome. welcome. I'm over here wooing. I'm over here blushing. Like, oh my God, I'm Latina. I'm blushing sex. Too. Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> so I know this conversation is going to get nice and steamy, but before we get there, tell us about your background in the bringing. Where were you born? I was actually born in Illinois, which is where I'm at right now. Um, but I refer to myself as an Illinois-California hybrid because I, at like one years old, I went to California and I was like, I went to school there, but I would always come back because all my family is here in Illinois. And so, you know, Illinois is home, but California is home as well. Um, so yeah, Illinois-California hybrid. <laughs> we'll take it. We're Cali girls, so we'll take it. So anyway, so what sparked your interest in human sexuality? Yeah, Anna? so I was always super interested in education. So in like learning and teaching, and I was always playing school. And I was also metiche, you know, because my brother was eight years older than me. And my mom was also very open about talking about sex. And so I was always listening to conversations that I probably shouldn't have been listening to. Um, and I just remember like one of my very first memories is that I used to have these little girls that lived across the street and they would come over to visit their dad every other weekend. And so then when they visited their dad, they would come and visit me. And so they would come over and I just remember telling them about sex and I have no idea like the details. I just remember talking to them about sex. So I imagine it was like something I overheard. It was probably all wrong. Um, so that's like my very first memory of sex. So kind of fast forward as I'm going through school, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a teacher. You know, I didn't know what, just a teacher. Right. And I didn't necessarily know that sex education was a thing. So I was like, oh, I'll be a health teacher. Like I want to teach about all health and, you know, all these things. And then I got to college and I took a human sexualities class. And I feel like every time I say that, everyone's like, oh, that's my favorite class. And so that's kind of how I was, too. And I met the professor and I was like, I need to do what you're doing, you know? So we had a conversation and she kind of convinced me, um, I was studying psychology at the time. She kind of convinced me to do marriage and family therapy. So I finished my psychology degree thinking I was going to go to marriage and family therapy. And I'm like, no, it just sounded really like my people are not going to go to a marriage and family therapist. This sounds really white. This doesn't like... My people don't have access. And I was just like, all these like negative things were coming into my head. And I was like, and also I just want to talk about sex. And so I was like really concerned, like, what am I going to do when I graduate? And so I started looking at master's programs and my friend was like, if you're not sure what you want to do, but you want to work maybe as a therapist, you know, you should look into social work. So that's how I got into social work. Um, the program that I'm in now is a dual degree program. So it's a master's of education and human sexuality. So there's the sex portion 
and then a master's um, in social work. So if I wanted to move on to become a therapist, um, I would, once I graduate, I would um, be eligible to do so. And then along, you know, when I started the master's program, I also became certified to become a certified sex coach. And that's what I'm doing now. And I'm like, I wouldn't change it for the world. Like, I think that therapy is amazing. And I think it's very needed. Um, But coaching is my jam. And so that's where I'm at. I love that. And I remember looking through your page and you mentioning like why or you mentioned that you're putting it out there and calling yourself future doctora because it's your vision and you're seeing it. And so you're you're calling yourself that. So that's very exciting. How how does that make you feel like just stepping into that new phase of your academic career and just starting a, a, a PhD program? How does that yeah, make you feel? Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, it's at the same school, so it's a little less daunting than I thought it was going to be. Um, but I'm, I'm currently in the process of applying. And so I'm getting like really excited. It's like feels more real now. Um, and it's so funny because I always like would call myself like, oh, future doctora, you know, this and that. And then my friends started calling me. And so I have other people like I have a nine to five and they call me that. And so it's super just it's so fun to to hear it and be like, oh, this is actually like a thing that's going to happen and not just something that I just came up with. Yes, we're excited for you. And we're we're going to be following along the way. Hasta que ya sea oficial, doctora. <laughs> Qué padre you know, in our communities, we're kind of shy about this topic. I know I was sharing earlier that I'm kind of shy about talking about it. I mean, I'm not shy about it. I think with friends, like with Vero and Irene, like, les pregunto esto, les digo esto. But it's really hard to talk openly. And I feel that it's much needed. I know your services are much needed because it's always like, no, no digas eso. No, como crees? Como vamos a hablar de eso? And I know for myself, my... Like my mom never talked to me about sex. I learned it in school and neither did my dad. And it was just like something that we didn't really talk about. So I'm interested in knowing, you know, if your family has ever said anything about, you know, about your focus on human sexuality, have they ever said anything or how do they react? Yeah. So my mom thought that I sold dildos and I think she also thought that I did therapy. So (laughs) (laughs) it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Thanks, mom. (laughs) <laughs> all right i would just be cool. happy if my mama had ever right? known what a dildo was or used a dildo yes. so like, if that's what you think i do i was girl, like no let's do it. whatever yeah so i think she's it's so funny because she's like super interested and she was just like well my mom never told me so let me you know and then my dad um when i told him i told him that i was doing this segment to teach parents um specifically in spanish to teach parents how to talk to their kids about sex um i was like oh i'm doing this presentation all in spanish like aren't you proud and he's like yeah like what is it about and i was like oh yeah i'm gonna teach parents how to talk to their kids about sex and he's like busting up laughing and i was like are you embarrassed or are you proud? <laughs> like, I'm confused. And then he was like, only you, hija, only you. Because there's 12 of us. And so he was just like, you out of all of them. Oh, like, uh, oh he, he, yeah, they know sure knows, he knows what's up. <laughs> and, and hold on. I was like, what? How did he not say like, you know yeah. about sex? <laughs> <laughs> but I think... It was like less of a shock because it was me because I'm just like out there like it's expected like oh okay. Um, Anna, where are you with the twelve? Are you no, the baby? I'm like the oldest, I'm like lower. Uh, I have three younger brothers and a younger sister. So three younger brothers and a younger sister. So you're like 
Yeah. Out of 12, girl. Yeah. Bottom third. Bottom yeah. third. Got it. The rules don't right? apply to you anymore, yeah. as in like the, star, the traditional rules. They're like, yeah, ya sobrevivió, está bien. Tú haz, haz lo que quieras. Um, what is it like to grow up all Yeah, family? so super interesting. So I guess let me clarify. So they're my dad's kids, right? So he had 12. And then, so I was raised in two different households. And so I was raised with one side having like a shit ton of kids, which was funny because we didn't talk about sex. And then over here, it was my mom and then my brother from her. And we talked about sex. And I was just like, we only got two kids. And we don't, <laughs> there's only two kids in this household and we're talking about sex. And there's like 75 over here. Um, so I, I'm like very thankful that I was raised in like these two different households because I got this like very unique perspective about like how we talk about it. Right. So my mom's actually German. So I also recognize, you know, like, oh, like the white side of the family, like we talk about sex. It's normal. We talk about our bodies. When I would go to the doctor, like I would like say my body parts. And then over here, I was just like, do we not do this over here? Like what, <laughs> what's going on? And so it was really interesting to see how people approach sex. And like my sisters, they were teen moms. And so I haven't really asked them their experience. And I just, I just came to this realization like last week, I have sisters that were teen moms and I didn't ask them how their experience was like with sex and like how it came up because I don't know. And they're older than me. Um, so, you know, I don't know, like, I need to ask them. And I also need to ask their mom, like, because I'm, I'm close to her, you know, like, what did you tell them, if anything? Because she asks me questions quite frequently about, like, you know, different things and like, oh, yeah, my, my comadre had that problem and like this and that. And so she's super interested in my work. And I don't think she quite understands what I do, but she's super interested. And so like, I need to ask her, like, what did you teach them? <laughs> anything right it's so interesting that the white side was comfortable and the latino side isn't it's not like we're surprised by that but we are taken back constantly to this systemic piece that it's like you're going to see in teen pregnancy much more prevalent in communities that are non-white communities and so i think it's our responsibility to break the stigma and to talk about it and to be comfortable so that our young latina females especially do not have shame around talking about sex protected sex birth control, these topics that like our families stay away from thinking that we won't engage if we don't know. And the opposite is true. My mom never talked about sex. Typical classic Latina. My dad for sure wasn't going to talk about sex, but he was having a whole ton of it because he had kids with all kinds of women. I <laughs> put you on the 12 girl. And the point is that we got to break the mold. So all of our Latinas listening now, black, brown women, like we got to break the mold because teen pregnancy in our communities is still happening because of a lot of misinformation. You're the professional, so you can tell me if that's wrong. But I think oftentimes there's a lot of misinformation. And so kids are running out rampant, not taking care of themselves because they just can't talk to their families. And in our white communities, that's different. It's a lot of not knowing. Um, and in preparing for my PhD, I've been doing a lot of research and the studies actually show that when they did like surveys to Latino parents, now, I don't know who was conducting this survey, so that could be an entirely, you know, different topic. But um, the results showed that a majority of Latino parents didn't talk to their kids because they didn't know where to start. So they didn't have the resources to actually do that. And if they they wish that they did have the information to actually have these conversations and which is what I assumed kind of before I started doing research is that like, if you don't know, you don't know. Why would you want to pass on misinformation? 
And a lot of times we do pass on misinformation. We really think that things are true. Um, and that's actually a lot, like a big piece of what I deal with with my clients is like when I tell them something like, hey, like what you've grown up believing is actually false. A lot of times it falls back on their parents kind of like unintentionally. It's like, oh, my parents lied to me. And it's like, well, yes, but not on purpose. Right. Um, But that usually doesn't land well with people like acknowledging that this is true, that maybe uh, say tampons, for example. Right. Like that. That's not going to cause me to lose my virginity, quote unquote. Right. Like, oh, well, my mom. Well, if that is. If that is like true, right, that it's not going to cause me to lose my virginity, then my mom lied to me. And that was just her way of me not having sex. And it's like, well, no, that's probably what she was taught or what she was told. And so, you know, it's not her lying to you, but it can be really hard to acknowledge like actual facts while also recognizing that your parents unintentionally or intentionally misguided you or lied to you. I love that you brought that example up. When I was in the fourth grade, all the girls were all about maxi pads and trying them out because in my Catholic school, you could buy them for like 25 cents or something. And we would just wear maxi pads for fun because I don't think any of us had our period. So I remember thinking, like having the awareness then to be like, my mom has never talked to me about this. But these other girls know because their parents are talking to them about this. So I took my shot when it came and the commercial comes on. I'm sitting next to my mom and it was, I think, tampons. And I said to my mom, you know, ¿qué es eso? And she's like, eso es para las mujeres casadas. And I was like, shit. Oh, yes. She's all mad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I guess tampons are for married women, but I'm glad that I got hip to it because I'm like, "Mm -mm." like I was a cheerleader and my mom didn't need to know it, but I was buying my own little tampons and I was wearing them, even though to her, that was inappropriate. And she did not want me to wear tampons and she didn't know that I was wearing them. And I mean, that kind of sucks that we have to have that hidden sort of a life. That's such a minor dumb thing. But to her, I right away felt shame for asking. I felt embarrassed. But I knew, like, little me also knew, like, she's just not going to talk to me about this kind of stuff. It's just where we are. And I don't hold that against her now. But as a kid, you definitely hide things oftentimes because you can't approach your parents. And again, she didn't know any better. Obviously, you're right. She was probably taught that or thought it was. Yeah, and it's super interesting that you mentioned that. that. The first time I ever went to Mexico, I went to Oaxaca. I know I went to Veracruz. I take that back. I went to Veracruz. And I started my period on the plane. And so my friend's mom picked me up from the airport because I was visiting my comadre and she was like, oh, let me take, you know, to the store. So I didn't have anything with me. And so we get to the store and we asked for tampons. They were hidden, literally, like you could walk in and see everything in the store. It was like a really small store and it was hidden. And I was like, oh my gosh, like... I like I almost felt shame and I was like I use these all the time like this is so interesting but the maxi pads were out in the front for everyone to see but the tampon they were like under lock and key hidden and I was just like this is so interesting you're like, friends you're like, like yeah like, they don't wear those here. Like, like, you know these aren't no son suppositorios they're just tampons <laughs> like they these help us it's like going yeah, up your butt. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny with the mujeres casadas. My mom would always say that too when I would ask about like the gynecologist. Like, no, no, no. Uh, solamente las mujeres casadas van a esas citas. Oh. Mujeres casadas. Oh, God. That's too much. And I remember, you know, when I did finally start my period, I was running around town with my sister. She had to go to the airport. She's running errands. I felt uncomfortable. I then think I realized that I'm bleeding and I'm at the airport. I think I remember picking somebody up and I just like wadded up toilet paper and I put it on me. And I remember feeling like 
like not telling her like I couldn't tell my sister and that's terrible my sister was 18 years older than me I didn't tell my sister I get home I think I do tell my mom and my mom's reaction is all like now you got to be careful una mujer pierde a la vuelta de la esquina my mom likes to say so in other words all that meant to her was I can get pregnant now it's like all so sad like you jump from like you don't wear that to you can get pregnant now and then I remember my sister tried to talk to me about it she takes me to the store and she's like trying to point out maxi pads and it's all embarrassing and I'm not feeding into it I'm not talking to her I'm like it was just such a weird time because this embarrassment around it but my sister also really didn't know how to handle it she couldn't be direct with me so it's this weird thing that we just don't talk about our handle well and then we kind of go inside and deal with it on our own but i'm glad that we are all breaking away from that that we are all freeing ourselves of that it's, it's also so super trippy how like those like those little things that we learn as we're growing up just being women like they're they're so natural and we just don't talk about them. And, and and this is a whole process of, you know, mother, like womanhood, like becoming a woman, getting your period, the things that happen when you get your period and being able to get pregnant now. And then we don't talk about pregnancy or we talk about, oh, it's so beautiful, you glow. But we don't talk about the beginnings of motherhood and all the stuff that it's part of being women. And that knowledge is so necessary. Those things are so necessary to share. Oh, we don't. And that's so sad. It's a very unfortunate because we all... We all need some guidance and some, we don't have anywhere to turn at times. And we know our moms have been moms, our tias have been moms, you know, and, and they're still like, no, pues eso no se habla. So I'm so glad that you're breaking into this Latino community and to talk about those kind of things. Yeah, definitely. That's my, my boyfriend was like, why are you going to talk? Well, he's Mexican. So I don't know what, how he doesn't see this, but of course he's a man. So he's like, you know, I don't get that treatment. Right. Um, but he's like, why the Latino community? Why don't you just talk to women in general? And I'm like, because we're behind. We're way behind. <laughs> like, you don't understand. Like, your mom still makes your dinner sometimes. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> You're like, and then in one day, if you and I are together, I don't want to step in and be your mom and, and cook your dinner yeah, always. You know, exactly. like, so it's always, so it's so funny. Like, it, it's like this conversation, it just really takes me back to being a teenager and then just understanding that. And how do, what kind of a, of a mom, because now I have a daughter, what kind of a mom do I want to be? Am I going to be comfortable enough to have these conversations? But like when we were talking about the, you know, white culture, and Latino culture, the differences in talking about sex. And that happened to me the first time I, my, my college roommate was half white, half Mexican. And I remember her talking about her with her dad about um, like sex and stuff like that. And her dad told her like uh, one day, you know, she's like, my dad always says procrastination is like masturbation. It's you only end up fucking yourself. And, and I was like, your dad told you that? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you know, my dad's really cool, like kind of like that, right? But I was like so surprised and taken aback because my dad would never, would never, he he never even mentioned anything about anything, and I would never tell my dad to help me buy pads. I, you know, like no, but another. So it's just so trippy. So how do you think with this talking about sex, which I think really needs to happen, besides talking about sex and she's been secrecy, how do we bring this kind of conversation now, make it less taboo, and it's one of those matter of fact things that it's going to happen. And not later feel like you have to deal with shame because you could have avoided certain things by having this conversation about sex. How do we make the time or how do we find the words to talk about sex with our family? Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for asking that. Um, I always talk with my clients like I'm always talking about how like I'm going to meet them where they are. And I really think that that's, you know, any hard kind of conversation and especially around sex you know, really just starting with like what it is. It's about, it's not just about the act. And I think that's where the disconnect comes from. 
a lot of times when we hear like, oh, we're talking to our kids about sex or we're talking to, you know, our parents maybe about sex or whatever it is, right? We're talking about sex in general. It's, we think of the act because we know what sex is. So that's what automatically comes to our mind. But I was just saying on my podcast the other day that like, if I didn't know anything about sex and someone came and explained to me actually what sex is, it doesn't sound attractive. It doesn't sound like what I think it is, right? And so if you have no, you know, idea of what sex is, it's basically like if we're talking about like, you know, male, female for a second, right? Penis and vagina sex, like that doesn't sound attractive at all. And the idea of sex education for me, at least, isn't just about the act. It isn't about just about masturbation. It isn't just about sex with a partner or multiple partners. It's about getting to know your body. It's about anatomy. It's about consent. And all those things need to be talked about way before you even think about having sex or even know what sex is, right? It's very important. Even if you're never going to have sex, it's important to know about your body. And so it's really important for I mean, everybody as a human being to know about their body so that when they go to the doctor, they can say, hey, this isn't right versus going to the doctor who we already typically don't trust as a culture and saying like, oh, this thing is wrong. And then our doctor tells us, oh, no, everything's fine when we know deep down that it's really not. The more that we know our bodies, the more that we're able to go to the doctor and say, hey, this isn't right. Um, But if we don't know our bodies, then we're not going to be able to do that. And so it's really about knowing our bodies more than it is about, you know, the act of sex. Of course, I can go on and on talking about the act of sex and masturbation and pleasure and all these things. But it's really about, you know, knowing our own bodies, knowing our anatomy, not even just like the act of, you know, having sex, having pleasure, um, you know, about consent, telling people when it is appropriate to touch us or not. Um, All those things have to do with the conversation of sex. And I think just starting there. Um, I know that my grandma was like, oh, I don't want to tell the doctor, like, I have, like, a smell down there. And it's like, no, you need to go. Thank you for saying that because a lot of people just think of the act of sex, the act of sex. But there's so much that go into it. And I feel that when you do have that knowledge, like you mentioned, and you know what you are are okay with at the point when you do give consent for sex, you're so much more comfortable with that action, with the act of Mm -hmm. sex. For some of us, we slowly learn it through our journey, right? For me, for example, I had sex fairly young at 17, but I always felt like I wasn't in control of those things. Like I wasn't being taken advantage of. Like I knew I wanted to have sex, but when it came down to it, I was like, it wasn't like I was engaged the same way as how I am now. But I mean, if you compare my 17 year old self to my 38, you know, well, no, 39 year old self now, (laughs) keep myself a little younger. Um, (laughs) It's, it's really that evolution. It's come with, well, what have I not enjoyed? What have I not this? And it's not been because it's been one partner or multiple partners, but it's because that experience, I'm like, every time it's I've had it or experienced sex, it's brought up new things, new feelings, new ideas. And, and it helped me understand myself more. I wish I could have had a little bit more of understanding before and had more control of it. And I feel that my journey would have been slightly different sex-wise and in my choosing of partners as well. And knowing that, man, I didn't want to be with that person. What was I thinking? You know, like because of all the cues, but many times it's just, we're just so afraid to speak up 
we're so afraid to really say, um, no, I don't like that. Or yes, I, I don't like, I, I do, I don't. Or try this because I mean, when we speak up or we say something, it's like, oh, they're going to think of me as like, you, oh, oh, you're this sex expert now. And women who have multiple sex partners are, are immediately labeled sluts, putas, like all of that. And men aren't. And it really holds us back in knowing what we like, what we don't like. And sometimes we find ourselves in, in really unique positions like we shared a story before about this woman, this girl that was not having sex with her boyfriend for a while, but she was going through residency. So he thought, you know, maybe we need to spice it up a little bit. And he thought it was more for his own well-being sexually. And they end up going to the sex club and she's the one who ends up having sex like with a group, like group sex. You know, she's well, she's getting trained and enjoying it, but she didn't know that she liked it until then. And the boyfriend was like, what the hell? Like. You didn't, I thought you didn't want to have sex. And she was like, well, maybe it was, maybe I do like this, but it took her her whole life to figure that out. I don't want to have sex with you, you, but I want to have sex with the six of them. That's what happened. But to me, it's like, yeah, but to me, it's like so trippy that we neglect our bodies. I think culturally as uh, you know, you're saying like, oh, maybe like, yes, I wanted to have sex with this partner, but not as much as I maybe wanted to have sex with them. Right. And that goes back to culturally, you know, we're like, oh, ve, ve a saludar a tu tía, or, you know, ve a besar a tu tío, and like all this stuff. And if a kid says no, it means no, period. And so I really think that we grow up thinking like, oh, if someone tells me, and in particular, uh, you know, someone that's older, like if they tell me like, hey, let's like kiss me, or they lean in for a kiss, then I have to accept that, right? It's like this cognitive dissonance our body's like mm-hmm. I don't want to but I guess I have to it's it's disrespectful not to I already told them yes now I can't say no which is totally not true you can always say no this goes for men women and anyone else under the sun it doesn't matter mm-hmm. but we're taught that oh no it's disrespectful not to do so but in reality we're being disrespectful to ourselves by not honoring our bodies and what we want when I was um, raising my littles, they're now older, 9, 10, 14 and a half. We had this rule with my husband that they didn't have to hug and kiss folks if they didn't want to. The mixed signals, right? You know, if we're telling our kid, oh, don't let this person touch you. And then you're telling them, oh, you have to go and kiss. You know, I keep saying uncle, which is a bad name to uncles. I love my uncles to death. But, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, that you have to kiss. Right, mm-hmm. right. You have to kiss. Yeah. We talked about the creepy uncle. <laughs> like, you have to kiss your uncle goodbye or, you know, whoever, right, at the party. Like, that's sending mixed signals. And so they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know which one to go with. What is, like, you know, they're afraid that they're going to get in trouble versus just telling them you have consent over their their body because the fact of the matter is you always have consent over your body not in certain situations and in others and that's really the message that you're sending by saying oh don't let people touch you but if your uncle wants to kiss you goodbye then you have to kiss him goodbye and what research shows is that typically Sexual assaults happen with people that they're closest to because they're able to Mm. groom them over time. And so Mm. the kid isn't going to know the difference between grooming and being just, you know, being respectful, quote unquote. Right. Um, So it's really important to be like, no, you know, either you're 100 percent giving them consent or you're going to try and take it away from them and send them mixed signals. I would love to hear maybe some tips or, or advice on how comfortably speak sexual truth 
or bring it, you know, with family, with friends or like some way to make them feel comfortable to start addressing, you know, just the, the consent or the knowledge of sex or being able to speak with, speak about it with family and friends. Yeah, definitely. So I think first and foremost, like you need to, we all, every individual, even myself, right, learn, really educate ourselves and from reputable sources. So really learning more because, you know, there's always something more for us to learn. And I feel that oftentimes we're like, I don't, I know this is wrong or I know this is off. Something doesn't feel right. And then we want to talk about it but we don't even know what's really going on in our heads. And so it's really important to get familiar with ourselves. I always talk about this when it relates to, you know, sexual exploration as well. We want to go out and have these, all these experiences like with all these partners or like have multiple experiences with one partner or whatever it is, but we don't know what we like and what we don't like and all these things. And so it's really important to spend time in introspection first, right? What is it really that we want maybe as like a sexual being or as a parent that's trying to raise a sex positive child, what are your rules? What is it that you want? What is it maybe if you're with, you know, your child's father or mother or, you know, whoever it is, what is it that you want to get out of this conversation first and really think about that? I'm a huge fan of practicing conversations first, and I know that sounds really weird, but usually when you're having these really like, you know, tense conversations or hard conversations, um, you typically like stutter over your words or you're like, oh shit, I wish I would have practiced saying this or like something else comes up. And like, so the more prepared that you feel, I'm not saying that you're going to write a script, right? But just really play it over in your mind. Like, what is it that I want to say? How do I want to say it? And really what you want to get out of that conversation. And then I, this also sounds really cheesy, but actually asking consent to have the conversation, you know, whether this be with a partner or with parents or even with a child, like, hey, you know what, I really want to have this conversation. And is now a good time, because if they're not in a good space to have this hard conversation, they're not going to be open to listening to anything that you have to say. And that isn't to say that they're going to entirely and fully accept and embrace everything that you tell them. But if they're in a better space to have that conversation, they're more likely to actually listen to you versus listening to respond. So asking them, hey, can we have this conversation? If they say yes, green light, go ahead, have the conversation. But if they say no, you also have to honor that and honor that that no is a part of consent and they didn't give you consent to proceed with the conversation. So then asking when is a good time? Like, can we schedule a time to have this conversation? Because it is really important that I have this conversation. If you know, or just assume maybe that your partner or your parents or, you know, I always like going to a neutral place. I know in the pandemic, it may be kind of hard to do so, but getting out of the house can be very helpful because people tend to especially if it's a a child, even an adult child going to a parent's home, we usually resort to that dynamic, right? So it's like, oh, I'm a little kid at home again. And it can be very hard to have those conversations. So specifically when it's like adult children and parents, um, specifically when it's like traditional parents, getting out of the house and getting in like a neutral space can be really helpful to kind of like start that conversation. And also recognizing that the goal of the conversation isn't to change their mind. It's just to present what your thoughts and opinions are. And if it's about your child saying like, hey, this is something like, you know what, from now on, we're not going to do this. 
and you can have your thoughts and opinions about it. But um, in this instance, like I'm the parent and this is my decision. I love it. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. We know consent is big and finding a time and a place for it. Um, Unlike me, I'm very abrupt. No, mom, I'm gonna tell you about sex right now. (laughs) So thank you for that. And um, hopefully our listeners can use this as a way to, you know, if they're having a hard time to have those discussions with their family or with a loved one, hopefully this really helps them to do that, which segues into the question about, you know, we know what it's like, the process of becoming a sort of like a life coach, a, a professional executive coach. However, a sex coach, like what is the process for getting certified as a, as a sex coach and how is it different? Yeah, definitely. So I think that my journey is a little bit um, unorthodox, <laughs> uh, just like my life, I guess. But yeah, so you can approach it in different ways. Um, so I think that, so anybody can be a coach of any kind. Um, but when it comes to something like sex, I definitely think that education is super important. Um, so I'm obviously receiving my master's of education and I don't think that you absolutely, oh, I know for a fact, you don't absolutely need a master's to go ahead and coach people on sex. However, I do think that some form of education is important. Um, the, the school that I actually went to or the program that I got certified through, I actually learned way more from my master's program than I learned through, through that program. And it was actually very white centered, very cis straight heteronormative type. And so I was just like, I'm like not a fan of it all. Unfortunately, Um, it just essentially gave me the title. If I were to say, if someone were to say like, Hey, I want to be a sex coach. Like, where do I go? I don't want to get my master's. There is a sex education program through, I want to say it's the university of Michigan. Um, It's a university in Michigan. So I know there's two huge ones. I always get them mixed up, but they have a sex education program. And I think I want to say it's, it's a super short program, so it's not a degree, but you get, you're not considered a sex coach, but you have all this information. So you're a sex educator. So you have the, you know, the biology, you know, all the science behind it and things like that. And then from there, you know, you could just be a sex coach. You don't necessarily have to be certified because a lot of life coaches aren't even certified and it's not, you know, it's just about the integrity that you have with your business. So yeah, you could even become a life coach and just get that extra information, you know, um, about sex in that way. That's a funny because I was like, oh, one of us is going to do that. One of us is going to get it because we are certified <laughs> life coaches. So I'm like, okay, let's do the, the sex coaching too. Uh, that's awesome. I'm over here already looking at Michigan, which state school. And it's our way. Listen, I love this conversation. I love talking about this. You were reminding me of when we were in college, one of the most popular classes that we took was human sexuality. It was taught by a married couple. It was a huge class. It was one of our largest lecture halls because it was such a popular class. It was not an easy class. Everyone always thought it was going to be an easy A. Everyone thinks of the act of sex and they think they're all experts. So it was a class where you really had to stay on top of it. We were tested, I want to say, like every other week. And it was lots of terminology, lots of different things on love and romance and sexually transmitted diseases and the act of sex and biology of the body. There was so much to keep up with, but it was actually a really, really good class. And so anyone who goes to UCSB, I'm sure you've taken it. But if you haven't and you're hearing this, you have nieces and nephews, we highly recommend it. They're still teaching that class. I was always on the waiting list. Oh, Uh, you never got on. I never got it. I never got in. It's, it was a huge one. And it was a lot of fun. There was always a frat that would have come like streaking through at one of the last exams. It was like typical of that class. Anyway, we love this topic. <laughs> we love learning about this. I myself have always found that 
I don't know why, but uh, as a young kid, I was always fascinated with sex too. It could be that I was the youngest in my family and my older siblings were probably uh, just, you know, doing life. And so I had a brother who was a teen dad, you know, it was just kind of different. I was a latchkey kid. I think data will probably show that us latchkey kids are also running around and probably talking about things we shouldn't be talking about, doing things we shouldn't be doing. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you should be doing it. No judgment here, but I would like to shift gears to the actual act of sex and intimacy and couples and partnerships and how to get comfortable talking with your partner about sex. Maybe you want to spice it up. Vettel mentioned the story earlier about that couple wanting to spice it up and they communicated, but they didn't totally communicate because at the end of the day, she liked this more than he did. It was his idea. That couple didn't actually stay together. So how to make a relationship work with a topic of sex, how to be comfortable, especially long-term relationships and um, keeping sex alive. I know I'm asking a lot, but just the very basic is for couples that are together and they're thinking about their sex life and maybe it's not working or maybe that they're not fully satisfied. What's your tip, your trick, how to start, how to engage couples to be able to talk about sex, to improve their sex lives? Yeah, definitely. So there's so many ways you can answer this, but I think the main answer that I always give is it always goes back to introspection, right? Just exploring your own body. And of course, you can do this while you're with your partner. It doesn't have to be pure solo sex. I mean, it definitely can be, but really exploring like, where am I at now in this season of my life? What do I like? What do I don't like? And maybe you're having sex all the time and you still don't know what you like. That's super common. So really finding out what is it that you like? What is it that you don't like? What is it that you desire? I really like, um, I don't have a list in particular, but I know there are lists online. They're called yes, no, maybe lists. And so it's like an eight by five, you know, sheet of, I don't know how many acts um, of sex, different types of things that you can do during sex. And so you fill this out separately from your partner you fill out yes, no, or maybe to each one. So yes, is like, yes, I'm willing to do this full consent. No is absolutely not. Maybe is uh, maybe not today, but maybe one point in the future. And so really going over that with your partner. So you fill it out separately and come back and really do that. So that's very helpful, you know, for people that are just starting, you know, to have sex with one another, but even people that have been together for years, that's super helpful. Um, and just really recognizing about what it is that you all want individually, but together as a couple as well. Um, and then I know this isn't a very popular um, answer or people that want to hear, but, you know, the more that you practice talking about sex, the easier it gets. So you just kind of have to start, right? Like when you started riding a bike, it wasn't that easy and it got easier and easier. Same with driving, right? And so it's really important just to continue talking about it and recognizing that it's it's natural, it's normal. Um, and always talking about sex, bringing up new acts outside of the bedroom. So don't talk about it during sex. Don't talk about it before sex. Don't talk about it right after. You know, have that consensual conversation. Hey, I want to talk to you about this. Is now a good time? Awesome. I think it's also pretty important to not talk about it right before or after because then someone might feel a little self-conscious. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> you didn't like what I just did? I thought that was exceptional. Yeah. <laughs> I know. 
TMI, but I, I, I love, 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 love <laughs> talking about me. sex with my husband and my friends. And I've always been really comfortable with it. But I also think that when I was young, it was like shock value. Like we're all different. We, we fall into like our category. And so all of our friends were known for different things. You know, I wasn't the fashionable one that knew how to wear makeup. That was probably somebody else in the group. But co- friends would come to me and be like, you've been with this boyfriend for a really long time. Like, I'm sure you know about this, that and the other. Tell us about it. So that was, we all had, sex is over there laughing because you know it's true. You can say it. I don't care. Because I know but your nickname. is that. <laughs> Our tip of the day, I was going, that's where I was going. Our tip of the day is that wherever you are in your comfort level, you don't have to be anybody you're not, be comfortable with you. So my tip is going to piggyback off of what you just said, whether it's you talking a little bit more, baby steps, because you feel like something's missing and you want to communicate with your partner or you want to try something new and exciting. My tip is do it. I'm going to challenge our listeners to do it. Have that conversation. Start where you are. Maybe you're already adventurous and it's great and you love it. Try something different. Or explore more solo time. Like she just said, if you are on your own right now, you're in between relationships, you want to be alone, that's your vibe. I hope you're also feeling your sexual needs and feeling yourself, literally, quite literally. So I'm going to challenge all of you to do more of that today because it's so healthy. And you heard it here from Anna. It's a part of life. So no shame in that game. So the next thing is we want to talk about your podcast. It's called Sex and Spanglish. Tell us about it for our listeners. She's got episodes everywhere from, I think, seven to 40 minutes. I think we heard. So it can be, you know, short and sweet or a little more in depth. But tell us about your podcast topics discussed and what uh, listeners can expect to hear after they've heard this episode with us. Basically doing like sex 101. So I've had topics about, um, you know, sex toys and anal and things like that. So kind of like the basic 101. And my hope is to, yeah, <laughs> and my hope is to get into because I do a lot of like thought work and reframing with my clients. That's like the majority of my work. Like, yes, we talk about sex, but how it relates to like how we think about ourselves and how we think about sex and life in general. And so um, I really want to get into that as I'm kind of like leaving the 101 portion still up there. Um, So now I'm moving more into like um, thought work and reframing um, thoughts and opinions around sex into what my clients really want, kind of getting out of their minds and getting into their bodies so that they can have better sex. Um, And then so that's once a week. And my hope is to have Latinas, um, especially women of color, you know, other, you know, non-Latinas on the podcast once a month to talk about, you know, their experience with sex, how it was growing up and, you know, maybe whatever they're willing to share about their sexual experience, how it was learning about sex, but also having sex when maybe they didn't know much about sex. So I really want to get, you know, those different experiences to let my listeners know that they're not alone, that this is super common. Um, I think that like all my clients come to me and they're like, oh yeah, well, my parents didn't talk about it. I'm like, well, no excuses. (laughs) So yeah. So just let people know that they're not alone and I'm not just like lying out of my ass, you know, like, no, true like it's super common um so that's my hope for this year and then every wednesday i drop a shorter episode um it's called hump day hot tips and basically i just provide like one little tip that you can just throw in the bedroom tonight love it i would love to be a guest i love this thing and i would love to talk to you about that topic so i'm over here shamelessly inviting myself i'm like me no you i'll I'll talk about it more shyly but i'll I'll be saying stuff on the show (laughs) that'll always talk about the butt but anyway um, I'll talk yes, about it, Shiley. Um, but for real, <laughs> any other questions before we move further into our prime question that we ask every guest? But anything else that came up as we were listening, ladies? Here's your chance. Anything that we may have missed that you thought, oh, I'm inspired now? I wish, oh. but I have to like social distance from my husband oh. right now. Solo we're, like, he solo just got solo. back from his trip, so. 
Oh, he came back. He's like, I can't even suck on them titties. Like, you know? Sexy, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I came like I... touching so, yourselves, yeah. steamy showers, sexy, Me? like visual. Um, I mean, yeah. I love that. That's actually super hot. Para que te vea. Puedes ver, pero no toca. hot. Lock them out. Lock them out. Like, like, lock them out. We're going to make, right? We're going to make. That's a different kind of. Oh, I do always tell awesome. my clients that sex doesn't have to start the moment like foreplay starts. Like it starts when my boyfriend leaves for work at 5 a.m. and I'm like sexing him. Like that's when sex starts and it ends whenever like you decide. So you can look at you. Better, you better start sexing right now, girl. Yes. Multitask. <laughs> Drop a message, girl. I'm, drop, I'm dropping a message right now, guys. Tell him to get ready. What, what can the mask do, Tell though? Tell him to get ready. Oh, Warm him up. Thank you so much for inspiring us. Um, uh, drop a sex text too, Ceci, please do. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I'm actually not kidding. But anyway, our number one question, she did it. We just saw a little phone. She did it. He's ready. My husband He's already just got walked the loom. in, He's so get ready. He's ready. My um, husband just walked in. This is in, our favorite so question to ask all wrong. of our guests. And you look about 25, so maybe I messed up on this one. But we usually ask folks, you know, give us your piece of information that you would have shared with yourself, your best advice for yourself when you were 25 years old. Hopefully that means looking back to when you were 25, you look so young. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just to start now. Like, I think that I was like, oh, I have to, you know, wait until I graduate to be able to, like, put my name out there and really, you know, start telling people that this is what I'm doing, even though I've always been talking about sex. And so just really recognizing that like, you're going to do this anyway. So just do it now. It's like a bandaid. Love that. Do it now. If you're 25, you have a great idea. You're passionate about something. Why wait? You never know when your time is going to be over on this earth to do it now. That's a great piece of advice. I also wanted to say that we know there's a lot to cover and we can't cover it all in one podcast. We have an amazing community called the guilt-free squad where women come together once a month for different reasons and seasons to have community with one another and consistency and accountability. We'd love to have you in on one of those guilt-free squad calls. We'd love to have you back meet our community of amazing women. So this is just the beginning. Also, I'm sure that listeners will have questions. So we'll fill those questions. Please, please, please share your questions and maybe we have enough questions to bring Anna back very soon. So ask your questions via DM. Our DM is at level up Latina. You're also going to get Anna's how to find her in just a second, but please ask us your questions. You can also email us. Our email is admin at level but there's a lot to continue to cover. So how can our listeners find you if they want to directly ask you a question? Yeah, definitely. So you can um, access me on my website, sexandspanglish.com. I'm mainly on Instagram at Sex and Spanglish. Um, my DMs are always open. I answer each and every one. So don't, you know, be afraid <laughs> to message. Um, I always get the question like, what can I share and what detail? Don't worry about me. Share what you're comfortable sharing, knowing that the more that you tell me, the more I'm going to be able to help you. Um, this is my job. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm mainly on Instagram. And then, of course, my that. podcast, Sex and Spanglish, comes out Sundays and Wednesdays. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, and all the other ones that I never remember the names of. <laughs> Happy to barely even get into this topic, but get into it enough to hopefully have people take away some really great nuggets about being comfortable Understanding consent is whether you're young, 
We're older at this sex game for longer. Understand that it's okay in a partnership and a relationship on your own to learn and grow sexually. Understanding that this is a great career. It might be a career for someone. So thanks for sharing those tips about being certified. And continue to follow this future doctora. We pretty soon we got to take away, take away the futura, doctora, futura. We have to just say like doctora. Yeah, yeah, still. Yeah, it's already a done deal, a foregone conclusion. If you see it, yes. believe it, it <laughs> happens and you put the work in. So again, thank you, Anna, for being here. Thank you, ladies. This is the end. This speak now, forever hold your peace while you sexed over there, Vettel. You're smiling like you already did something. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I'm blushing. No, I just. This, this was just and the it's so tip. Funny. Look at the, the picture I landed on when I went to um, Anna's Instagram, Sex and Spanglish. I landed on the pepper oh, going okay. into this. I was like, okay, I could. Um, oh my God. Uh, we're a hot mess. You got to listen to us and all of our other episodes. We are a hot mess. But thank you again for being here. Thank you to all of our listeners. This was a fun hour. Thanks so much. Thank you. This was great. Sexy too, baby. In every way. Thank you so much. That was fun. 